Refresh My Memory, the podcast about movies, memories, and refreshing beverages. I'm Eric Fell. I'm Jason Dedrick. And I'm Vicki Van. We're going to be talking about Double Indemnity, a 1944 film directed by Billy Wilder, written by Billy Wilder and Raymond Chandler. Oh my goodness. This film, um, I believe I have described it as the platonic ideal of film noir. Thoughts. <laughs> I think. I, I know, think. <laughs> I think Roger Ebert would agree with you. I think he said it was a classic example of the genre. It's it, like the er noir film. Yeah, it's really fantastic, and I saw it as a little kid. Oh wow! Yeah, I used to stay. I, I don't sleep. I've never slept, and I used to stay up late and. Movies would be on TV, so mm. they would be usually older films, very frequently horror films like the Hammer movies and stuff. But um, when I was little, some of my favorite movies were film noir movies and um, Hitchcock mm. movies. I remember it being like eight years old and someone saying, who's your favorite actor? I said, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> wow, how did that go over? <laughs> <sighs> awesome. The quizzical looks. Well, look at that. I can. The last thing I wrote on my notes was fantastic. So good. Because somehow, even though I watch noir every week on uh, Noir Alley on TCM, I don't get any money from this, but please send money my way. <laughs> uh, they have never shown it. I don't know why. I mean, it's got to be on his list. Well, I mean, TCM is, I think, owned by Warners, and this was a Paramount picture. Oh. That could be it. It could be as simple as that. Um, so the movie stars Fred McMurray. And Barbara Stanwyck and Edward G. Edward G. Robinson. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen the film, folks, uh, Fred McMurray plays uh, an insurance salesperson yes. uh, selling insurance, and Barbara Stanwyck plays the unhappy spouse of a rich gentleman. And as this is film noir, I think you can guess what <laughs> transpires. <laughs> Things go off the rails or on the rails pretty quickly. <laughs> Straight down the line. Straight down the line. Um, yeah, I, having seen this film about, I've probably seen it about seven or eight times now. Okay. Uh, in my life. Uh, probably three times in the last two years. I, I used it to test my 4K TV when I got my 4K TV. And how did it look? Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Folks, if you can manage to get a 4K TV and a 4K <laughs> player that both have Dolby Vision... Uh, get yourself some black and white movies because the benefit of the HDR, the, the, there's a greater difference between black and white. So you're getting so much more, I don't want to say color, so many more shades. Mm. That's what we're looking for. Mm. And it's prob- it probably looks better than the release prints in 1944. Wow. Oh. <laughs> and this film won an Oscar for, for cinematography, black and white. There was yeah. a distinction between black and white and color that year. But it did. It's just astoundingly lit and beautifully shot. Now, had either of you seen the film uh, before? I saw it uh, when I was in college. I was doing a, uh, a school school project on film noir. And I think I watched it kind of really kind of I was rushed and it didn't really hit the first time. I was just like, oh, yeah, writing notes about the lighting and the history of it and blah, blah, blah. And. And uh, yeah, rewatching it now is just amazing. Like not under pressure for a grade, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting how things that you watch as an assignment sometimes you don't really take to, and that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I think um, people like 
I think schools have ruined Shakespeare. Because <laughs> imagine going, okay, we're going to talk about this film, Double Indemnity. Your homework is to read the script. Mm. It's like, um, uh, but you're not getting the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember having to do a lot of assignments in film school as well. Luckily, uh, this was not one of them. Luckily, I was able to have an emotional attachment to this film at an early age, um, mostly from Edward G. Robinson as Keys, who plays, mm. I guess, the moral center of the film. Because goodness knows, there's, you know, Stanwyck and McMurray have no moral center. <laughs> no, he's pretty, he's pretty awful. And it's funny because, I, I mean, I was first aware of him through Disney stuff and My Three Sons, right? So the first time I saw him play a heavy, like, is he in the apartment? Is that... You see the slime ball in the apartment? Yeah. He, uh, he comes across gross, and so that was always a tough, <laughs> a tough hump to get over. But, uh, yeah, they're both sort of reprehensible people. Yeah, I mean, McMurray is the original nutty professor, mm. right? He invented Flubber. <laughs> he invented Flubber. He did? And then he met uh, Phyllis Dietrichson, <laughs> and uh, they decided to, uh, to go after Mr. Dietrichson. And Barbara Stanwyck, my gosh, I don't know if you've ever seen her in any comedies. Uh, she's incredibly funny. Yeah. If you ever see The Lady Eve, which is a Preston Sturges film, check that. She can do anything. She might be, in fact, I'm going to look on my letterbox right now. She might be my second most watched performer of the year. She's a, is that is Christmas in Connecticut, too? Is that her, too? I believe so, yes. Is that where she ends up with the baby? And she has to pretend that she's... Or is that when she pretends to be the good housewife for the soldier? I, I don't know. <laughs> Check this all out. I have no time for this. We're talking we watch about a lot of TCM. <laughs> but but watching it watching it now that it's not rushed. Watching it now that it's not rushed, Vicky, you're um I want to know about more about your appreciation of it, um, not just on a technical level, because uh, Vicky is a very accomplished filmmaker uh, and knows the language front and back, but um, from a just a movie fan, just a movie watching point of view, how did you feel? Uh, what really came across was the language, the like just like bullet speed, witty repartee that that is right through the movie. You're just like if you if you don't pay attention through the whole thing. You're missing just so much within like 15 seconds. Every shot, every scene is just like, there's just like line after line after line. And everybody was like just coming back with one liners and just really long monologues everyone gets. And yeah, it was really great. Like just the language is what hit me this time. Every, I mean, every moment has that in it. Um, just this, I think it's the second time Fred McMurray comes over to Barbara Stanwyck's place and she goes, why don't you come in? And he goes, I'm considering it. <laughs> he's like leaning on the doorway. Oh, very leaning. Yes, he's very so leaning swaggery. <laughs> yeah, when, when he's not doing that, I mean, I, has anybody since practiced trying to light a match with, with just your thumb? <laughs> he is the second most impressive match lighter in film history. I think matches were different back then. <laughs> not safety. They're not safety matches. Yeah. And who was the first sure. one? Uh, that would be Elliot Gould in The Long Goodbye. Oh. I you can he lights a match on a window. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. But you're right; they didn't. They weren't. It's true. He does in the movie. You're like, well, how does he do this? Um, but uh, Edward G. Robinson mentions about matches that he never carries them because they explode in his pocket, mm, so yeah. they aren't safety matches. No. You just walk funny, and your pants light on fire. <laughs> And that's how I can spot a liar. The little man tells me that your pants are on fire. The little man inside me that ties me up in knots. I can see the flames coming from your trousers. That's where that saying comes from. Yeah. Matches that were safety matches. I really like the friendship between 
Edward G. Robinson and Fred McMurray. Yeah, that's cool. I there's a line at the end of the movie. Um, I don't want to spoil the movie, but things don't turn out well for Fred McMurray. <laughs> Although that's also the first shot of the film. <laughs> yeah, it's it, actually it's nice because so many when people are say doing an improv scene and they're like, you know, what's any genre? Film noir, and then people start narrating. So many movies don't have that narration, but this one does. And there's a reason for this movie being narrated. Yeah, because it opens with Fred McMurray confessing into a. Into a wax cylinder recorder, yeah. was it? Yeah, some sort of yeah. dictaphone anyway, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so this For it's hours. Great. Yeah, for, for, for two <laughs> many, hours. Many, many cylinders. <laughs> and, yeah, there's just a bit where Fred McMurray, you know, says something like, oh, the thing you didn't figure, keys, that's Edward G. Robinson, is that, like, you know, the, the, the missing piece was right sitting right across the desk from you. And then Edward G. Robinson says, closer than that. And I'm just like, oh, oh, oh you broke you his heart. Yeah. Oh. And I Edward G. Robinson, very famous for playing a lot of a lot of bad guys, being the inspiration for Chief Wiggum. Um, but he plays a great good guy. Yeah. In that and in Orson Welles' The Stranger. Um, he's he's just so good. Mm. Yes. Any, there was some other noir one where he's uh, an artist and he's sort of picked upon in that one as well. Yeah, he always plays, when he plays a soft guy, he's, he's even more powerful in a way than he is when he plays a tough guy, I think. Oh, absolutely. Was Jim, Jimmy Cagney's insane as a tough guy because you oh think he's going to kill you. But Edward G. Robinson as a tough guy is great, but as a soft guy, he's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> Most noir movies are always have a lot of drinking but they're very rarely anything fancy right there's always somebody pounding back just straight bourbon somewhere yeah. give me a give me a bourbon yeah that's right. <laughs> and i think he even mentions bourbon in there but yeah, when he goes he does. he does back at his place yes. he a lot of boxing posters on the wall yeah i noticed that too. i was like hey you got a lot of boxing posters and only boxing posters <laughs> yeah just and really of individual boxers not even in the middle of a fight it's just there's a dude there's a, and, and it's old timey fisticuffs yeah, old... Mark, Marquis of Queensbury rules <laughs> yeah it struck me as just like that's odd he doesn't talk about boxing in any other way no like, are you sure this is your apartment <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I thought they were Powerpuff Girls but no I think they're all boxers on the wall here anyway uh, Barbara Stanwyck as cruel as she can be she does offer him a refreshing drink. I believe he wants a... A beer. Right. He asks for a beer. But she has iced tea. <clears throat> what? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that we haven't had iced tea yet. No. Would you like to have a glass of iced tea? Refreshing iced tea would Love be delightful. Some iced tea. With lemon on top? Not on top. Within it itself. I did, uh. I did like that she said, I'd like a beer. Well, it's the maid's day off. <laughs> but I have iced tea. <laughs> The, the maid has the key to the beer fridge. <laughs> she doesn't go in the kitchen. That dame does not go near the kitchen. <laughs> the key should be on her anklet. That's where her key should be. Yeah, have a refreshing oh, beverage of you. iced tea. And he uh, takes a big sip of it, I believe, like this. And says, not bad, mm. but be better with some rum in it. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. something like that. Words to that effect. And so we've kindly been provided with rum to see if a little bit of rum <laughs> is actually going to make that better. Rum nobody's and iced tea. Nobody's driving, are they? Oh, boy. And this isn't Canadian-style iced tea, either. This is American stuff. It's not sweetened. Yeah, this isn't your Lipton brisk iced tea. This is, uh, this is a... You trust me to pour? Yes. Enough? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
And there is a spoon provided if you want to stir it around and see if Fred McMurray knows what he's talking about or if he's just a drunk that likes boxing pictures. A little rum makes it a little bit more tiki-ish. You throw a little bit of lime in there, Fred, and now you've got yourself a drink. Mm. <laughs> it's tickled Eric's funny bone. <laughs> I look. Well, I gotta do. I gotta do a thing where I take a sip and I have to do a quote from the movie as a okay. reaction to the drink. All right. Shut up, baby. <laughs> it's like that and swingers. I think have the most uses of the word baby in that movie. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's it's not a drink I would actively choose, but if it was offered to me as it was today, I would gladly accept. Yes. Yeah. If I was, uh, if it was 1940, what year is this movie? 48? 44. 44. It was 44, but it took, I think it took place before that because there's no, um, uh, no talk about rationing at the two grocery store scenes <laughs> that were filled, so filled with real groceries that they, um, the studio brought cops to the set to make sure the crew wouldn't steal food. Well, there was wow. a food shortage at the time in, L- in LA, so that's why they had to wow. have guards because they would start stealing the set deck. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So I wonder uh, on film production day then, is it mad? We got to get all the shots today. We're not going to have all the food down here again. We're not paying guards for two days. <laughs> we're doing everything today. I wonder if they were that organized oh, to maybe. do that. Oh, well, probably. yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, they, they just churn these things out like butter. I guess so. And it seems a lot of times that you see old uh, bloopers from movies that they don't seem to blooper it up the way that we have in modern day where people, you know, will waste reams and reams, mm. sheaves and sheaves, gallons and gallons <laughs> of film, however you measure film. Feet. But, <laughs> oh, it's, feet. In, it's in feet. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, all of the bloopers were always like, well, I'm going to go down there and, oh, I'm sorry. They said, oh, what time is the store open? It opens at... Uh, I'm sorry. That's all the bloopers yeah. are. I think, I think part of it is that um, bloopers were not seen as their own thing right. mm. until Dick Clark and Ed McMahon. Um, and now, since we're shooting digitally, all they're doing is wasting everybody's time. Yes. <laughs> not just film, but time. Yeah. Literally time. And I think also most of these people were trained on stage or like they were trained not to waste film. Not And if you do make a mistake, you just apologize, move on. Mm-hmm. It's not like, ha ha ha. <laughs> Let's try let that me, again. Let me do a little improv. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> and now if you recall, in the movie, mm-hmm. Fred McMurray had wanted a beer. And then he had the rum and or the rum-free iced tea. Right. <laughs> and then he went out for a beer anyway. Well, then we should go out for a beer too, should we not? <laughs> My back! <laughs> Holy cow, that's going to leave a mark. Yikes. So what I've done is I brought a little beer. I hope it's not as cold as it should be because it's been sitting here for a bit. I apologize. Um, so everybody can get a little bit of Old Jalopy from Powell Brewery. Award-winning Powell Brewery. Yeah, it won the World Beer Cup 2019, or sorry, 2018 and 2023. I think those are the numbers on there. The numbers are very small and I'm old. <laughs> Um, it is a pub style ale. It is very tasty. It's a pale ale, but it is on the darker side. It's darker than it should be. A dark pale ale. Like double indemnity. It's very dark <laughs> in terms of film. 
Yes, it is very dark in terms of like, film. like in, ter- in terms of film. In ter- you know what I mean? In terms of, of content. Mm. Yep. As, as noirs tend to be. Yes. I mean, I think what makes it so dark is because um, she's so willing. She's so cruel. She's such a, she's so, oh my gosh. And then you find out later on, spoiler alert, that she's done other things. I yeah. guess that's not a spoiler. But she did. She did other things. <laughs> I don't think that you we find should out worry later about on. spoilers for eighty-year-old movie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. But if somebody had said to me, "Hey, she killed her," whatever, I would go, "Oh, so she is bad all the way through." There's no redemption for her. She, the character. I mean, I think the relationship can be called poisonous. Mm. Like mm-hmm. it's, that's when I think of that them together and what they're doing. It's just, oh, this is poisonous. That's toxic. Yeah, toxic. Po- yeah, she is just. A monster, and he is just a monster, and um, yet they're still incredibly watchable. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. so polished. She's like she's apparently wearing a wig, which gives her hair that kind of. It, it, for the time, it was apparently a really bad wig. Oh, uh, <laughs> but it, she looks so put together, and and just uh, she's a little petite thing, but she's just has so much presence in the movie that that you know you you uh you want to root for her (laughs) she's so pretty she's so kind of sparkly and and you can see why fred mcmurray falls for her um you know she's the ultimate seductress for you know a noir femme fatale but um yeah i mean i think that's really a lot of i mean obviously it's brilliantly written it's brilliantly directed but Barbara Stanwyck has a presence on film that mm-hmm. is, I don't think there's a lot of people out there who have ever had that kind of presence. No. Uh, one of the last films she did was called 40 Guns, and it's a Western. Mm-hmm. And she does a stunt in it where she is dra- she gets dragged behind a horse, <laughs> with a galloping horse yeah. during a sandstorm. And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. Whoa. And she's great at it. She, she's like in charge of like a, a gang kind of in this <laughs> right, movie right, I, right, right. I highly recommend it oh. Sam Fuller directed it and uh, if you know Sam Fuller films he likes things tough <laughs> he is it's like this guy is like the movie equivalent of like chewing on leather he is a tough <laughs> tough guy and she is amazing and so vastly different from all the other roles I can't say enough about Barbara Stanwyck I think she's mm. absolutely one of the best that's ever been well she's certainly good in this I wonder if the, if it changed anything these sort of movies because it didn't seem to because all the way up until the seventies and eighties people would still come to your door and solicit insurance and stuff <laughs> like that. Like at what point did people say, "Hey, let's not let people in the house anymore," <laughs> yeah. on account of their murderous plots to do away with other family members? I mean, to be fair, it was the person in the house who had the bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know true. what's a you know what's a good idea though? Snacks. So for snacks today, we have, uh, are these McDonald's McFlurries? But they're Fred McFlurries. <laughs> if they've got a nice picture of Fred McMurray on them. They certainly do. <laughs> they're very tasty. Mine is Frankenberry. I'm so happy. <laughs> I've got Oreo. Und mine is score. <laughs> You sound like the happiest kid at the soccer game. I am the happiest kid at the football game, at the football match. It's got Fred McMurray. I found out Fred McMurray, maybe you've heard this, that when he agreed to do My Three Sons, (laughs) which was a TV show, 
and not nothing that he was accused of. He, um, <laughs> he said he would do it only if he could just shoot all of his scenes at once, and he, so he did. He did all of his scenes for the for the for the um, the season. And then he buggered off and fished and vacationed, and everybody else had to shoot around. Wait, for the season? Yeah, for the season. Whoa. He said, I'm doing mine now. He said, all right. Thanks. Thanks for your support, Fred. <laughs> that, is, that is amazing, and um, he's now a little bit of a hero. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great... Whether Dean Martin negotiating, I'll, just, I'll do the show, but I don't rehearse. And they said, fine. Or Fred McMurray says, I'll do the show, but I'm first. All my stuff. That is amazing. These are very good. So, mm. yeah, these are your these are your traditional McDonald's McFlurries. Did they come with the Frankenberry? I have Frankenberry question. <sighs> the the monster. If we want to talk in nostalgia, I mean, this is mm. monster cereals hold a very special place in my heart because I knew um, because these should be available all year round. And it was one of the vacation cereals, the cereals that we would get on vacation because we didn't have sugary cereals at home because dad, dentist. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we would have the sugary cereals and the uh, the monster cereals were my favorites. And I remember I pitched an idea. Uh, General Mills General Mills put out a, a call saying, um, we want to make an interconnected uh, monster cereal universe. <laughs> this This is not a joke. <laughs> And I legitimately pitched. I legitimately sent stuff in. And I don't think they cared for it. My idea was that um, Booberry is the ghost <laughs> of, the, of some of the body parts that became Frankenberry. And Count Chocula was behind it. Oh. Count, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think it probably wasn't, oh, this is not how we want to sell cereal. <laughs> You had just seen Double Indemnity recently, though, and you were thinking of a different, a different level. <laughs> yeah. Did you keep any of your toys from the old serial days from there? Uh, I never. One of my sort of um, lost, one of my holy grails is I would love a Chocula bobblehead. Mm. Not a Funko. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. A bobblehead. Wow. A Count Chocula bobblehead. I would love that. I have a t-shirt and says, it looks like the Famous Monsters of uh, Filmland logo, but it's uh, the Monster Cereals. It says Famous Monsters of Breakfast. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan. What can I say? An aficionado. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So we've had our snacks. We've had our preliminary drinks. But if we were going to make up a drink... For double indemnity, what would it be? A little bitter. A little bitter. <laughs> it, might, it might be bitter or sour. Okay. I think so. And I think whatever the uh, booze ingredient is in it, it should be doubled if you're making it on a train. <laughs> yes. It's a one and a half ounce drink at home. It's a three ounce drink on the train. <laughs> well, maybe we should have some bourbon in it. Yeah, because he does have because bourbon at home. He did, Yes. And it should be served in a boxing glove. (laughs) (laughs) That's if you got one. If you don't, (laughs) you know, take it easy on that. So some a little sour. So you have some uh, uh, lemon juice, some bourbon. And 
Does she wear a perfume in that that is commented she, on? Yes. He says that your hair smells great. And now I'm thinking, oh, that's just the wig. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the wig maker. That's the name of the drink. That's just the wig. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, she says, yeah, he says, oh, you, your hair smells great when he hugs her. Huh. But we don't know what it smells like. No. no. Oh, but uh, on the outside of the house, when he, she, he goes into the garage, is it? He's like, the house smells like honeysuckle. Oh, honeysuckle. He mentions honeysuckle because of the time And he said something like, murder can sometimes smell like honeysuckle. That's what I meant. Murder can sometimes smell like honeysuckle. So is there a honeysuckle liqueur? Or syrup. That's right. Jeez, there should be. There's like rose water stuff. Mm. Otherwise, just you could. there's a honey liqueur. Or you can make honey uh, simple syrup by boiling a little bit of water and half honey. I've done that before in an amazing tiki drink. So, mm. Or could you just add honey to a drink? Because we want folks to be able to make this, right? That's right. Yeah. And you have to have a straw. So that's your suckle. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So it's, so it's honey and bourbon. Yeah. Actually, mm. yeah, it sounds really And good. a little lemon. Yeah, mm-hmm. some bitters. Sure. Some well, bitters? Of course yeah. some bitters, because we said bitters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm paying attention. I'll get there by episode 10. <laughs> And it's three ounces on a train and an ounce and a half if you're having it at home. Okay. <laughs> I, I love it. I think it sounds great. What, do, what are we going to call it? The, uh, the little man? Straight down the line? Ooh. Uh, tangled up in crutches? Because <laughs> that's, that's how they... That's like, how, how did he fall off the train? He probably got tangled up in, crutch, in his crutches. Uh, I like the little man. All right. The little man. Little man. on double indemnity um i wish i could write like that uh, raymond chandler and billy wilder put together that's that's a life goal um yeah and and it's just it's almost like it's very heightened the whole movie but um it comes across as like this is just their brains working at high speed <laughs> like the actors are are committed so well to the to the lines that they come across so naturally that uh yeah, it would be amazing to write something like that. It's something to aspire to, right? Yeah. Raymond Chandler, what was one of his big characters? Is he Sam Spade? Is that Raymond yeah. Chandler? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. I think it is too. I always think Dashiell Hammond. And, and, mm, and, and, oh, maybe and, we're and, mixing and, them up. But I think that I think Sam Spade is is uh, Raymond Chandler. And yeah, I, it would be interesting to know too what the uh, the combo was there. Was Billy Wilder just uh, in the background going, "Yeah, make it make it spookier"? Is he right in there? Because I was thinking Billy Wilder is comedy, mm. because I'm uh, you know unimaginative neophyte. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Sam Spade. Oh, that's oh boo! It's Dashiell Hammett. Yeah. Well, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Back to my <laughs> Fred McFlurry. <laughs> Well, who's the other character who's not Sam Spade? Uh, Humphrey Bogart must have played a Chandler character somewhere. Uh, uh, Dick, he played Dick Powell. He played, he played Dick Powell. Oh, he did the long goodbye. Right? He wrote the long goodbye, Raymond Chandler. Oh, okay. So who's the main character in the long goodbye? Mm. Sam Spade. No, it's not Sam Spade. I don't know why, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm brain farting this on right, right now because... Um, he did the big sleep. He did 
why am I? This is hurting me right now. This is really bothering me because The Long Goodbye is one of my favorite films. The Big Sleep is one of my favorite films. Um, I, I'd say I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. You I'm cheat. Use the internet. You go for it. Philip Marlowe. Philip Marlowe. I can't believe I forgot that. That's like forgetting that like Indiana Jones or you know like what. I know it's that's the most unfortunate thing about the, doing the podcast like that is you say I have an idea. Here's the thing about that. Who's that yellow bird on Sesame Street? Oh, yeah, uh, the, the big one. He was big. He was this great big bird. And I can't remember his damn Sing, name. Sings the alphabet phonetically. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm Ra- glad we recorded it all though. Yeah, Philip Marlowe. Yeah, no, Raymond Chandler. Absolutely the best. Billy Wilder, the best. I'm probably going to revisit this film every year for the rest of my life. Hmm. Um, I'm just so, I love it every, I love it more every time I see it. It's, it's just, there's new things that open up to me. I, I, like I mentioned, I saw it on, on, uh, I saw it on the 4k. Um, he pulls out a cigarette. Fred McMurray pulls out a cigarette at the end. And I never noticed how bloody the cigarette was because it's, it's, he's been shot and he pulls it out of, of the pocket on the side that he's been shot. And it's just super, it's just like, there's little tiny things I'm catching now. Um, but folks, if you want to catch a good time and try that drink out, you can send uh, pictures of it and uh, any comments you have about uh, this podcast, anything else, uh, send it to sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Um, thank you so much, everybody. And uh, in the words of not Sam Spade, not <laughs> Philip Marlowe, but uh, Big Bird, Barton Keys. <laughs> I love you too. Refresh my